Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. Whether furloughed or part of the great resignation, they've birthed the big idea, and those 57 million Americans are contributing more than $1 trillion to the U.S. economy annually. This is what the new normal looks like. You now have a front row seat to creator culture and into the places where the magic is being made. Subscribe now to Culture Factor so your ears are treated to some of the best stories around the world. And if you take the time to rate, review, and share this, please send me the screenshot and I'll give you a shout out on my show. Please reach out if you'd like to sponsor Culture Factor. It is your opportunity to be a part of a show that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 77 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com to be a part of this global audience. So hello, Culture Factor family. Today, I have a very special guest, somebody who I met in social media. Her name is Chantelle Marcel. And we have been having conversations in Twitter, in Clubhouse, and uh, in email. So in a variety of places. And I'm so happy to have her. Welcome. Hi, Polly. It's so good to talk to you. We did have that phone call too. We did go old school and we did a phone call one time, which was... uh... I love it. Yeah, me <laughs> I miss too. Phone calls. I I will kick it old school every day of the week. <laughs> every day of the week. So we're we're actually due for another call after this. <laughs> so like I want to tell the community about you, but you are by far one of the most humble individuals I've ever met. And <laughs> when when you sent your your bio, uh, which I'm going to read to everybody, you will see she has downplayed nearly everything. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna read I'm gonna read it. Um, it says that Chantel is an experienced marketer who has worked with a variety of agencies and companies of all sizes primarily with a focus on technology. Yay, women in STEM. <laughs> she, she has a passion for all things marketing, including community building, social media, content marketing, SEO, and analytics. She's also a huge believer in developing a customer-centric mindset to fuel long-term growth and success. In her free time, she loves creative digital art, creating, sorry, digital art and biking. So we will dive into that as well. But as you can see, pretty humble. She doesn't name anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep it, keep it low key. I figure your work usually ends up speaking for you or your content speaking for you more than uh, your bio or giving yourself, you know, accolades, their titles or whatever. There's so much truth to that. Um, so I will speak in some titles so that we can sort of talk a little bit about what you do. So I'm going to start with your podcast, which you did not mention here, called Companies and Communities, which I listened to. And I would love to dive into this particular conversation because I believe that and I've said this before, that community is the hashtag of 2021 and now 2022, which I can't believe we're nearly there. Um, so for you, what is your feeling on building community first or building a company first? 
Oh man, uh, there's been a lot of conversation about that recently. Um, and I think we're seeing a shift. I think in the past you could just build a company um, and launch and find success that way. But I think a lot of people now are seeing success with building that community or building an audience first, and then using that support and the traction that they gain there to then launch a product or company successfully. We're seeing it in the consumer side with you know influencers like Mr. Beast, who had his pop-up, I think it was burger shop or something like that. Um, we're seeing a lot of influencers launching their own skincare or beauty uh, brands. But then we also see it in the, the B2B space, I think, as well with, you know, um, there's someone I follow on Twitter, uh, Ross Simmons. He has an, a marketing agency, a content agency foundation, and he's tied his personal brand in so well with growing his, his agency and uh, finding new clients that way. So I think there's a lot of opportunity here. I, I agree. You interviewed him, I believe, right? Ross Simons? I did, including on uh, Clubhouse. We did a, a little Clubhouse chat too. Yeah, I attended that. That was really, really mm-hmm. great. Um, so it's interesting because I think there's some companies that do a little of both and, and stumble into greatness and then sometimes out of greatness. Um, I had read, uh, you know, Tony Shea's journey with Zappos, where, Mm -hmm. you know, he launched the first internet shoe company, which, you know, was unheard of. It was sort of that uh, D to C in an industry that you wouldn't have anticipated because people like to go try shoes on, right? Um, And he really developed um, a strong community within the business, like within, uh, he was very uh, employee centric actually, Mm. and and made them brand ambassadors essentially. And then they in turn built a community that was uh, very uh, brand centric towards Zappos. Like it was a really interesting model. Um, I think he did see, you know, I should say the late Tony Shea, uh, a degradation further on if you read his book, Delivering Happiness. But it's just interesting to me how companies do it both ways. And I see what you see with influencers. Mm. And they're really taking advantage of their community in a good way. Yeah, it really adds something powerful to personal branding, which has come up so much more often. I'm hearing about it a lot more often over the past two years where everybody shifted to the digital space online. Um, So people had this opportunity where there was a lot of attention on these different channels. Clubhouse was huge. Um, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, you know, all these places where there are opportunities for you to build a community, build an audience, build a brand, a name for yourself, and then leverage that for, you know, success in other areas as well. So I think that there's definitely, you know, a lot to that. It's interesting how they're all building in social media. And I think what we're learning quickly, whether you're an influencer or not, is that your um, I call it digital real estate is really important because 
Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of algorithms that affect your efforts um, and we're building content for them so that they can um, make money with you know, ads and, and so forth. So we're seeing a lot of people uh, and influencers and people like yourself learning how to take those communities out of social media, which brings me to your newsletter, mm. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, as being somebody who's so strong in search engine optimization and content marketing, I think it's so cool that you saw the writing on the wall and said, I'm going to create a newsletter because I've been creating content for LinkedIn and Twitter for so long. It's time for me to put it on my own. Um, how, how, how did you get from that point A to point B? Was, was that the journey or was it something else? You know, I think they're speaking about the conversations that have begun to really trend um, over the past two years in particular. Owning your audience has been a big one. So not just having, you were mentioning how a lot of influencers or you know people with um, heavy followings on certain social channels have been trying to move those communities to other spaces as well. Um, and I think that a lot of people tout building an email list that you can own as a way to do that. So that that way your following isn't tied to one channel. You have something that you own that's very valuable and a way to stay connected with whoever you've, you know, brought into your, your circle, um, you have a way to connect with them beyond just the limitations of any particular channel. So I think that that's what I was really thinking, um, you know, making sure that I could stay connected to people, even if I, you know, chose not to post on LinkedIn one day or, you know, my, the algorithm changed and my content wasn't getting very good reach on Twitter or wherever uh, anymore. Or even Clubhouse, where you saw that they had a huge surge in their daily active users uh, at the beginning of 2021, end of 2020, and then that sort of uh, dipped over time. So, you know, the people who were able to build connections with the following that they built on any of those channels somewhere else, they're now still able to, to own that audience. Um, as well as just the fact that newsletters are huge right now. Uh, you know, a lot of, you see a lot of journalists, a lot of marketers, a lot of writers building up a newsletter as a way to express themselves, share their thoughts. Uh, there isn't as much of a content limitation as on any of the platforms where, you know, your content has to follow certain formatting guides. Uh, and it's a way to monetize that as well. There's a lot of people who are able to launch paid newsletters and they've, they've gotten a significant number of, of subscribers who see value in paying them and, uh, you know, compensating them for all that hard work that goes into a newsletter. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that you bring up the monetization side of it. I think that uh, it's so great if we can get to monetize different things, whether they're podcasts or newsletters or, or whatever you're doing because content sometimes is like elusive. People don't know how to attach a value to it. Uh, I, I do wanna point out, we're gonna put all these links in the show notes, but Chantel's newsletter is special because one of the reputations I think you built in LinkedIn and Twitter, cause I follow you on both, um, is you are pretty famous for your lists because you do such, <laughs> 
you do such a deep dive into um, how you want to present something. And it's such a critical analysis, but it's written so that nearly anybody can read it. Like you don't have to be an expert in, in search engine optimization. You don't have to be an expert in analytics. You don't have to be an expert in really anything. I feel like it's so tangible, the information that you put on there. So I just have to give you that shout out. Um, but but what, <laughs> what types of things really interest you? Because I feel like whenever I, I get your newsletter, you mm -hmm. are like, like it's the zeitgeist. Like you are like right <laughs> there picking up culture, like a hundred percent. So like what, what drives Chantel? Like, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you doing that you are able to like channel the best of everything and in a voice that is um, uh, approachable? Yeah. So when I first started my career, I started in journalism and then I translated those skills into public relations. And in order to be successful in either of those areas, they really train you how to pay attention to trends and headlines. What are the current trends that are that people are paying attention to um, and then predict what's next? And I think that that's a really crucial skill for business owners, for marketers to really hone because you have to know what people are interested in and how you and your story tie into that, that broader picture. Uh, that's the best way to get coverage. I've gotten, you know, clients coverage in the New York times or, you know, interviews with Reuters, et cetera, because I'm able to look at those, those trends and the headlines and say, this is how we fit into that in a way that, that adds value to the audience of the publication or to the journalists to make their, their lives easier. So I think that being able to stay on top of that, I read a lot of news. I'm on social media more than I should be, but I pay a lot of attention to things that people are talking to. Um, I look at not just marketing and business, but I also look at other industries, other spaces as well. Because for example, Squid, Games for, Squid Game, for example, huge, trending all over the place. Um, and there were a lot of different elements to that, that story and that trend. And so I ended up creating content on some of the statistics based on uh, the series. So how was that, that limited series impacting sales and marketing for other brands or other industries? Or how was it impacting social media and the conversations and the different trends and dances or et cetera that were uh, going on there? Uh, as well as, you know, how were the content there, the international content focus, you know, Squid Game is not made in America. It, it's not in English. So that also was a big thing in itself, the globalization of content and how international content strategy can benefit businesses. So I, I looked at that, I dissected it, I created content based off, that, off of that, and it was actually some of my more successful content. But you have to be able to look at things like that, like, oh, you're just watching a movie, but it's a very successful movie. You know that it's a lot of people are going to be talking about it. How can you tie something back to, you know, whatever the, the themes are there? 
It's really astonishing to me that you are able to um, walk that line between what people are trending, listening to, following, and be able to understand the analytics behind it and why it's valuable. Just because people are talking about it doesn't necessarily mean that it's valuable to the people that follow you in your newsletter or on social media. Um, how, how do you um, determine that? Is, is that just instinctual for you? Or do you really take a dive into the, the analytics and how it's trending before you decide to launch a story? Yeah, so I really do do a deep dive there and, and really try to analyze how is what I'm creating and trying to put out, how does that benefit my readers or my audience? If I don't see a really strong connection there, then I'm probably not gonna do it just because I have a lot of limited time and resources. Like a lot of startups and small business owners and marketing teams. Um, so I really have to be careful with where I allocate my time. So if I don't see the value there in doing that analysis and that deep thinking ahead of time, then I'm I'm probably not gonna move forward. Because with with following these trends and putting out this content, you have to move so quickly. And that's some of the struggle because, um, you know, everyone has very short attention span right now. So if you don't get in there very quickly, like Squid Game, putting out content around that right now probably wouldn't be as successful as if it had been put out several weeks ago when that trend line was at a peak. Um, and so, you know, being a, a small content creator, it can be tough to be able to move at the speed or the pace that that's necessary. Um, yeah, you know, it's um, fascinating to me because, you know, I, I have a, a friend that uh, worked with Save the Children and she's pretty high up in the ecosystem there. And I, I remember mm -hmm. having this conversation with her that when a natural disaster happens, that harnessing the empathy and uh, people's interests in contributing money to help support uh, people who have lost their homes or, or, you know, food poverty or whatever in that moment, the window is really short. Like if you don't act within that first two weeks when it's really fresh in people's minds and news coverage is still all over, you know, showing what's happening and, and how people are trying to survive. Um, you, it's really hard to get money anytime after because mm -hmm. our, our attention goes on to other things. So, you know, if you think about that, like a natural disaster versus squid game, like it's the same mentality in terms of it's on trend for a while and it's top of mind, but after a week or two, our minds are on something else. It's, it's pretty hard. Which is so sad, but I mean, you know, people, the pace of information that's being put out is just so astronomical right now. I think people are bombarded by all these different messages and all these different things competing for their attention um, and a lot of different causes as well. It, it, you know, it can overwhelm people, I think, at times. So, you know, taking advantage of when you can get something trending is, is really important. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm often asked, does my business need a podcast? My answer is yes. 
that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting. What's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. Uh, so trending Peloton, I know that that's been like in the news and I know you're into biking. Are you biking in your house? Like <laughs> that, that methodology, or are you out in the wilderness, like actually getting fresh air in your face? Gosh, Peloton is so, I, I admire that brand so much. They've created such a like aspirational brand. It's incredible. Everybody wants to be part of that community. It's like a cool, cool kids community. I don't have one. I, I should have bought one during the pandemic when everybody else was like really on top. Of that. <laughs> I don't have one yet. I'm, I'm outside. I, you know, wanted to figure out a way to uh, get some fresh air, get the family out. Um, so yeah, we go, we go biking and it's a really nice way to get outside and unplug for a little bit. I'm on my, on a device of some sort all day. So I like getting outside. I think it's a, a good idea. Actually. I think, um, some of our best creativity comes when we step away from all the tools and we just allow, um, our brains to like digest whatever it is we've taken in recently. Uh, I don't know about you. I have some of my best ideas when I'm walking. So I don't, I don't know, maybe while you're biking, you have some of your best ideas. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a big, uh, you know, when Hamilton came out during the pandemic, I finally got to see it. I'd never been able to get a ticket. Loved that. Um, loved that show. But uh, Lynn Manuel was the creator and was saying that he actually came up with the concept for that while he was on vacation He'd taken a, finally decided to take a break his first vacation in years. And that's when the idea hit him. He was just reading a book about Alexander Hamilton and some of the founding fathers. And he was just like, oh, this is, this is incredible. And so the creative juices were just flowing because he had a chance to relax and just let his mind rest. So that just speaks so much to the fact that we all need to rest. It gives us a chance to recharge and come back better than ever. I got that book, that Hamilton book, <laughs> by the way, it was a, a book club thing. We decided we were going <laughs> to read the book and we were going to treat ourselves and go see Hamilton. Mm -hmm. um, that book is like the size of war and peace. <laughs> <laughs> it is dense. And um, I didn't make it too far. I'm just going to admit <laughs> it was one book I did not read but I really loved the show <laughs> and the music. And the music. Yeah. Um, I'd love to dive into the technology side of Chantel. And um, you had mentioned in your bio that you're creating digital art. Uh, mm. Are you also like myself getting really deep into the idea of NFTs? Yes. So I, I saw you post about it. I was like, Ooh, this is, <laughs> this is interesting. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. I actually did an interview with a very young uh, NFT artist. She's only like 13, 14. Um, and, you know, 
that space is just so interesting. They keep talking about like web three versus web two and how it's going to give creators more ownership over their work um, and get people more involved, more interactive level of interneting, I suppose. I, I love, <laughs> <laughs> I love that whole conversation that that's come up lately. I wish I could turn some of my digital art into an NFT. I need to spend some time and figure out how to do that. Well, maybe we'll do that together. Yeah. Um, I, I think you've created a new verb, interneting. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm digging that. That works for me. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> you know, um, I just for the, the audience, I mean, I don't know if anybody out there is following it, but NFT stands for non-fungible token. Mm. Um, I like to always... Um, define uh, these acronyms like, you know, a lot of times people drop SEO in conversation. <laughs> and um, if you don't tell people search engine optimization, they don't all know that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's so interesting. So a, a non-fungible token is an opportunity to share digital art with uh, that is a kind of exclusive to the person who buys it. So it's not something that's available for uh, millions of people necessarily. It might actually be a collection that is for uh, just a few. So it makes it maybe more exclusive and more special, um, especially as you start to follow certain artists and then feel like you've created a very intimate community. At least that's mm-hmm. kind of my take. What, what is your take on it? Yeah, I, I've been into uh, the cryptocurrency space for quite some time, just sort of following and, you know, uh, casually investing. Um, but it's it's fascinating to see what's possible with the blockchain technology that's at the, the core of all of these conversations around NFT, around cryptocurrency, because it gives you a way to create a, a digital trustworthy means of of tracing ownership, tracing a digital asset across, you know, hands, exchange of hands or across country lines. There are really no barriers there. So that makes it really uh, limitless potential for the future, I think. I think we're only beginning to see the surface of, of the applications there. Yeah, it was, uh, I was in a room last night listening to Ira uh, Rothkin and Amanda Johnstone, and it's just fascinating. It really is like a peer-to-peer network. So mm-hmm. when you choose like a piece of art, it comes out of your wallet, um, your digital wallet, and gets paid uh, immediately to uh, the artist with nobody in between. And What's really amazing too, is that there's a smart contract built into that. So it's, it's, uh, you can feel safe, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, when you start to talk about cryptocurrency, blockchain, uh, metaverse, uh, digital wallets, people get really nervous. Like I don't want my money <laughs> out there, right? Like it's, there's, there's a lot to learn. I mean, I was nervous about it too. I'm like, is this like monopoly money? Like, I, when, you know, like when it first came on the scene, I was pretty ignorant to, to the whole thing, which is why I've dove in because I want to understand it because um, it's, it's, you know, not going anywhere it's, it's here. So I think um, it would be ignorant of me at this point to not educate myself on it. So I'm hoping to educate 
my culture factor community more on it. And um, uh, I think I would love to see you on stage talking about it. And I hope that I can get to that point too, because I think um, having different voices share that through line of um, that ecosystem of making an NFT and then how it gets into the hands of somebody, there's a whole process in between. Like you can't just keep saying, you know, well, you make an NFT or you buy an NFT, like, but there's a lot of juicy bits in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we're so early in the development and emergence of this technology, um, not blockchain or cryptocurrency, but really with NFTs. Um, I think that there's still the potential to get people involved and to make sure that people don't get left behind. I'm hoping that right now it feels the conversation sometimes can feel a little bit exclusive um, because they're really only in those like um, they're really only happening in those first adopter spaces. So it's people who are very uh, comfortable with tech, very tech minded. But I think outside of that, uh, the broader you know community of people um, possibly hasn't really tapped in, doesn't understand, isn't getting involved. So I hope that too many people aren't left too far behind to the point where it becomes, you know, there's people who are way far ahead and at a, a great advantage. And then there's people who have been left behind and aren't quite able to, to catch up. Because I really do think that this is, this is really the future. This is sort of the direction that, that we're heading in a lot of different areas. So it's important, I think, that, that people are aware of it and feel like there's education and opportunities accessible to them where they, they aren't left behind. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I, and I think we're going to play that role because mm -hmm. I think if you are um, an early adopter and a highly technical individual, um, you are probably just in a different stratosphere. You know what I mean? But there's so many people who want to get into it um, I, at least I'm going to do my best to try and share that because I think uh, when you have a diversity of voices involved in anything, any new technology, um, I think it goes further faster. You know, if it's only yes. from the vantage point of the highly technical groups, um, it's limiting. Right. Right. That's how biases right. get built into things, right? Exactly. Plus, you know, it's an opportunity right now. It's really an opportunity for wealth generation, wealth creation. You see a lot of people who are really looking at it from that angle. So that's another opportunity to let people sort of uplift themselves. Um, so I am hoping to, to see more accessibility around that. Yeah, I'd love I love how there's a legacy model in place really with it. Um, mm. And again, that'll be some of the research that I do and share. Um, because I think it's important. Um, so let me ask you this question. What kind of art are you creating and what are you using? Yeah. Um, so I sort of tinker around with it. Um, you know, and there's a difference between the art and the stuff that I create for like my hobby, my personal enjoyment versus the content that I create. I create a lot of content for like personal branding or my website or, um, you know, clients that I work with. 
uh, in my personal sphere sphere of enjoyment, I usually uh, create just, I like portraits. I like drawing people a lot, uh, cartoons, comics, illustrations. Um, and I use mostly uh, an app called Procreate. But Photoshop, of course, is awesome. And also uh, Canva is pretty incredible. I can't say enough good stuff about Canva. I wish they'd make me a brand ambassador. I love that brand. I talk so much about them. I, I use them as well. I believe they do have an affiliate uh, program <laughs> if you're not I already look part that of up. it. Yeah, <laughs> they, they do have an affiliate program. So um, that might be worthwhile to um, also have that in your newsletter that, mm. you know, some of the um, aesthetics that you're publishing with powered by Canva, maybe you'll get mm. them interested. But um, I think it, your newsletter will be such a great place for you to sell an NFT at some point. But um, I'm, I'm just going through the process. So I think I have an iPad in my future. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Apple girl through and through like every product I've ever owned has been, <laughs> been Apple, but um, especially with Photoshop making their recent investment um, into converting uh, their platform to mint NFTs, I think is going to be really cool. I don't know if you read up on that at all, but um, Photoshop yeah. is pretty big with that. I'm also really excited that Photoshop can now be used on iPad. Um before it wasn't able to be. So this is, so a lot of opportunities for I think uh, people who want to check out digital art or start, you know, creating, whether it's for NFTs or for something else, there's a lot of um, recent developments that will assist with that. Well, maybe you and I need to have another conversation about <laughs> minting NFTs. I don't think you and I are done with this conversation. In fact, I think when we're done recording this episode, if you still have a little time, we're going to have to jump on that conversation. Um, but I also want to point out to people that um, NFTs are not limited to digital art. It's also um, audio. So, you know, people producing music and podcasts and, you know, uh, spoken word, uh, any kind of uh, narrative work, um, as well as drawing and photography and everything. So um, I just say that out loud in this show, because I think um, a lot of people don't really know what it's all about. And I just want to um, share as much information as possible with people. So um, I'm, I'm glad that we had this conversation actually. <laughs> yeah. One of the benefits of being so active on Twitter is that uh, there's a lot of, there's a very strong presence from a lot of very technical people. So a lot of those early adopters are active on Twitter and have these conversations and provide education. So that's been great for me to be able to stay on, on the pulse of this. I agree. I've been using, um, the Twitter threads that have been um, mm -hmm. published through some of these leaders or these early adopters in the space, um, as well as listening in, in, in like Clubhouse. And for anybody who prefers like certain platforms, a lot of these people, they write um, what's happening or what they're doing in Twitter. They speak very often in Clubhouse, but then they move that conversation to Twitter spaces, right? Mm -hmm. So if you could find your way into any of those three spots, you're destined to learn a little bit more 
about what's going on in real time, I feel like, right? Right. And if anybody's interested in that young artist that I had mentioned, um, her name is Laya Matik Shara, and she has, you know, a pretty significant following as well on Twitter and on Instagram, I believe. So she's also been a great resource for, you know, she's so young and she's creating this NFT art and really successful at it. So I've learned a lot from her as well. Well, I'm going to put links in the show notes for, you know, anything that you want from your podcast to your newsletter and your Twitter account. Um, Will you, you said you did a podcast with this particular artist. Is that what you said? Yeah, I did an interview with her. Um, I published it on YouTube. Um, So I'll I'll share the link to that. That would be perfect. That Mm -hmm. would be perfect. So Chantel, this was awesome. I'm so glad that we had this conversation. I think we touched on a lot of different things. So I think you sure did. Yeah, we were all over. We were all over, but I think those are the best conversations, right? (laughs) We're, we're, we're like a newsletter on the podcast. We're trying to appeal to the masses, right? Like a little of everybody. Thank you, Chantel. Thank you so much, Holly. 